We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Chris Biederman, the 49ers beat reporter for the Sacramento Bee, will be joining me shortly, as he always does. Really fun conversation today with Mark Schofield of the NFL Wire. You can read him at touchdownwire.com. He wrote a really good piece about why Trey Lance will start earlier than we think. Uh, Really in-depth stuff from him. We talked to him about that, Trey Lance's pro readiness, and some other 49ers quarterback-related things. But first, we got some off-season dates, some NFL off-season workout dates that we'll be going over and talking about and what exactly that means before our conversation with Mark. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Thursday, about two in the afternoon Pacific time, and Chris, I regret to inform you, I have not had to beat the heat yet today. Yeah, it's a little bit cooler today. Um, I'm I'm pretty happy, but the the weird thing happens in I guess Northern California in that it's like hottest at like 4 p.m. Yeah. Um, and there are other you know living in Ohio is generally hot at like noon. Um, so it's a little bit different here for whatever reason. So I'm I'm sort of gearing up for. To, to have to beat the spend the rest of the afternoon trying to trying to beat the heat once we're done recording here. Yeah, left the left the windows open a little bit longer today because I got my second vaccine shot uh, on 
Wednesday. So the messenger RNAs are showing my body how to beat COVID right now. And it's super cool thinking about that happening while I'm sitting here watching Clone Wars. Uh, (laughs) Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I'm excited to see people again. It's going to be pretty neat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I got to leave my windows open longer than normal, which I think was helpful, um, especially because there's a nice breeze through Oakley as there typically is. So, yeah, haven't had to turn the AC on today, and fingers crossed I won't I won't have to. I was able to uh, to beat the heat last night because I went to the uh, the Sharks game. Oh, Sharks, very nice. Sharks Avalanche. It was the first uh, first hockey game I've been to, obviously, since the pandemic. I've actually been to three sporting events over the last few weeks. I've seen yeah. the uh, the Athletics of Oakland, um, the Warriors, went to a Warriors-Mavs game where they got blown out by like 40. Oof, you were there. Yeah, I was there. Oh, boy. Yeah. Boy. So really, really excited just to hang around, hang around friends and go to a game. And by the time we got there, they were like already down 20. Um, but then there was a shark scene last night, which was actually really fun. They came down, they came back from down, uh, two nothing and, um, Tomas Hurdle scored a pair of goals and, uh, you know, there were only like 500 people in the building. So it's still a, a weird sort of eerie experience, but, um, man, it's just, it's just great that sports are coming back and, and just thinking about, you know, people like them scoring goals and people going crazy and it being sort of loud or at least like making noise. It's just like. I just can't wait for the NFL season and potentially the place to be 100% full again. And just like the energy a venue and a crowd can provide a game that was just that was just lacking so much last season um, around the NFL, really. It was just it, there wasn't any home field advantage. There wasn't any atmosphere. I'm, I'm looking forward to that element coming yeah. back to the league because I think it's a really important one. It was a bummer, too, and speaking of people coming back, we'll get to the NFL's offseason schedule getting released, but that's one of the what tragedy is too strong of words. That's one of the bummers about how the football season was impacted last year. One of the like lower tiers, like I'm not trying to say this is a big deal, but it's just one of the things. Levi Stadium in 2019 had really gotten this like personality. And then 2020 comes around, and like you said, it's there's nobody there. There's some cardboard cutouts and the players and coaches and some media. So I'm very excited to see people back in that building for sure. Now that now that we've seen what it can look like when when the team is good, yeah. fun atmosphere in that building. Absolutely, like so, Levi's. Le- there's no doubt Levi's crowning. I don't know, crowning moment is the best way to put it. But the the best moment that Levi's has had was the NFC Championship game. And it was just electric, and part of I bet part was. of that is them just blowing the Packers out. But um, yeah, there was no there was no element to that, and uh, I think it made it made it easier for momentum to swing um, last year, like without having sort of the oppressive crowd noise when you're up big, to to have it just be sort of silent, and you know the the home teams don't have the same energy that they would. Um, right. I think there were there was a tangible impact last year, so. Getting that back. It's coming back yeah. soon. And we'll be getting players back as well, it looks like, with the offseason workout dates announced today. Um, rookie mini camps run May 14th to 16th. OTAs are May 24th to 25th, and then May 27th, and then June 1st and 2nd, June 4th, June 7th and 8th, and June 10th. So from late May through through early June, and then mandatory mini camp. Those, the first two are 
voluntary mandatory minicamp starts June 15th and runs June 15th through the 17th. Do you think we're going to see, because those are quote unquote voluntary, but it's always a story if a player doesn't show up. Right. Do you think we will see players show up for those en masse? Do you think maybe we'll just see some younger guys? How do you think this is going to play out with players reporting to voluntary camps this year? Yeah, I, I really don't know. And I need to I need to try to you know figure out, talk to these players and, and figure out who's going to be there and who isn't. But I, I'm guessing, you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo has a $600,000 workout bonus, right? So I would imagine he would be there. Um, Trey Lance obviously going to be at the mini camp, which is going to be important for him. So, I mean, really, if, if Lance and Garoppolo are both participating, I think that that's clearly the biggest story, right? And then you wonder about... You know, George Kittle has workout bonuses and a few other veteran guys. Um, it will be interesting to see how many just how many guys, how many starters are there. I, I don't imagine there's going to be a ton of starters. Maybe Mike McGlinchey will be there. I know he's been at the um, at the facility doing a bunch of work this offseason just in terms of training and, and all of that. So I'm curious to see how many starters are there just from a continuity perspective because I know you know, as much as the players last year fought and, and are, are still fighting against the idea of showing up to off season, the offseason program, like, I do wonder if, if that element sort of played a role in all the injuries the 49ers had, right? And obviously, mm. you know, it's, I, it, I, it's very, it's a touchy subject, right? Because guys get hurt playing football all the time. And there's this argument that, you know, more practice means your body's more calloused and you're able to to take on the rigors of a season. While there's also plenty of evidence that says, you know, the less strain you put on your body, the less likely you are to get hurt in the long run. I mean, they're they're obviously conflicting beliefs and and every injury issue is its own um, its own situation. But I I do wonder, you know, I'd imagine the 49ers are going to be pushing for all their players to be there. Um, but you know, the, the NFLPA has dug its heels in and, and regarding the 49ers specifically issued a statement, um, a few weeks ago, I believe about, you know, not that they weren't boycotting it in mass, like in general, like the, you know, the, it, it wasn't that every single 49er player was boycotting the off season program, but it was, they released a statement saying there's, there are going to be 49ers players boycotting, um, the off season program. So we'll just, you know, we'll have to see who shows up, um, and we'll all have to take role, but I, the 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 big takeaway for me is just, you know, I expect Trey Lance to be there, and I expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be there, and if they're both there, then maybe you know this is sort of laying the foundation for the competition that's going to come in training camp, and really the most important thing will be, you know, is is Trey Lance completely over his skis, or does he have a pretty good grasp of things, um, and will that sort of give us any sort of any clue? about what's to come this summer when those two are, are potentially competing for the starting spot. So the Niners will start in phase three, basically, of the offseason program. It's May 24th to June 18th. So that'll be in-person meetings as long as COVID-19 protocols are followed. And then teams can do up to 11 on 11, but no live contact. And the reason I think that's important is because, like you said, they're, if they are indeed laying the foundation for a quarterback battle between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, which they are. Like, they just are. <laughs> they, yeah, that's, that started Shanahan, with, the, with the trade. Right. Kyle Shanahan can say Jimmy's the starter all he wants, 
But the fact of the matter is, if they go out to practice and Trey Lance is a better player, guess what? They're going to play him. I'm not saying it will happen. That's just how it's going to go. I mean, you just said it. It started when they traded three first-round picks to move up for this guy. They're not just going to let Garoppolo play for the sake of it, and they're not going to care that he's a $25 million backup. That that just that that that's not going to be a factor. So the reason they start in that final phase and why that's important is because I think what does Trey Lance look like in seven on seven? What does he look like eleven on eleven? Even though it's non-contact, I think those are going to be really vital reps for him, especially since he hasn't played since last spring or last fall, whatever. Whenever I get my dates yeah, mixed up, the, the one game it. in. In, uh, what was it, October, November? Yeah. I um, said spring, I meant fall. <laughs> well, it was weird because... Seasons, uh, am I right? <laughs> dur- during the draft, North Dakota State's football team was, like, going through the playoffs. Yeah. Um, which was kind of... It was, like, their their Twitter timeline for their football program was all, like, Trey Lance Pro Day, Trey Lance Celebration, Trey Lance Niners stuff, and then, like, oh, yeah, hey, guys, check us out. We're playing, we're playing in the playoffs this weekend. Um, and I think they ended up losing on Sunday, but, uh, had yeah, several I, interviews for their coaching staff rejected. Cause they're like, Oh, we're in the middle of a season. Right. <laughs> we're preparing exactly, for a game. Exactly. What? Come on, man. Very <laughs> odd. Yeah. I also saw the take that Trey Lance quit on his team, which I thought was fascinating. <laughs> I mean, you, you can make that case, right? I don't think anybody's upset about it though. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay. He, quit so he could be the number three overall pick in the draft yeah like i would do the same thing who yeah who in their right mind is being like no nah, i don't want to be a top five pick i want to help us win another fcs title in the spring is there right. is there anybody who would do that no or just especially when who would especially be upset when, about especially when all you're going to do is diminish your value yeah yeah I, like it, you're a top five pick nothing you can do is going to get you We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You drafted higher in those games, and the only thing you could do is potentially play bad or get hurt, and then people will be like, well, is it stock dropping? <laughs> Especially after how not awesome he played in that one game in 2020 right why well, it's just like ah, this is dumb i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a really high draft pick i'm gonna go do that instead that's a I'm smart thing go, to do i'm gonna go set myself up to make roughly 40 million dollars <laughs> exactly instead, instead of playing of, for free instead of playing north dakota state playoffs in in the spring for free <laughs> 
Do we have anything Biden. else before we want to get to Mark? We don't. Let's uh, let's shimmy out of here real quick and then come back with Mark. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. All right, we're back. Mark Schofield from the NFL Wire is joining us. He just wrote a really good piece at touchdownwire.com called Why Trey Lance Might Start for the 49ers Sooner Than You Think. And rather than just talking about the article on the podcast, I thought, hey, we can just have Mark jump on and we can talk about it with him, which I think would be more valuable. So thanks for joining us, Mark. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, uh, I'm very excited that Trey Lance is on his way to San Francisco, and I'm very excited to see his career get off to, uh, get off to a start here at some point. So I want to start there. Um, do you think San Francisco was an ideal landing place for – a player like Trey Lance, who maybe needs a little more development than uh, Justin Fields, for example, who started a bunch of games in college? Absolutely. I, I think, and to sort of take a step back, you go back to around this time last year, you know, what happens when the draft ends? We start thinking about the next draft. And, you know, when I was watching this quarterback class last, last summer to sort of get a baseline on all of these players, um, I did a video with Matt Waldman, who does the rookie scouting portfolio on Trey Lance. And we spent an hour sort of breaking down his his first year as a starter at NDSU. And as Matt and I do at the end of those shows, we start talking about ski fits, landing spots, offensive schemes, what kind of system that each quarterback could run. And Matt and I both agreed that he could sort of step into the 49ers offense right away. Um, because if you watch NDSU's offense, if you study their system, you will see a lot of carryover conceptually from what Lance was doing in Fargo to what Kyle Shanahan asks of his quarterbacks in San Francisco, whether it's under center, play action, drop back concepts, uh, play action concepts, thrown to the tight end, thrown to the fullback. You see a lot of carryover between those two systems. And so while there are offensive schemes that I think Lance might need a bit more time. I think San Francisco was one of those landing spots where as soon as the team thinks he can, he was ready to handle it, they could get him onto the field. And in my mind, that could be as a rookie. Now, whether he eventually starts week one, week eight, week 10, week 17, that remains to be seen. A lot of it will depend on Lance himself and how well he adapts to the playbook, how well he picks up the things that are going to be new for him, and how much, how quickly he sort of speeds up his mind as a quarterback working through reads in the pocket. But generally speaking, I think as far as the landing spots go, this was ideal for Trey Lance. So looking at the 49ers draft class, and this is something I've written about a couple different times now, just with Aaron Banks, a big 
a big right guard in in round two and then drafting two running backs, which is something Kyle Shanahan has never done since coming to the 49ers in 2017. It would appear the 49ers are setting themselves up to have a very uh, run-centric offense. And, and you know, when in 2019, when they went to the Super Bowl, they were the second most running team in, in the league. So that's not entirely a surprise, but you look at Trey Sermon, you look at the addition of Banks, um, it would seem to me the 49ers might be setting themselves up for an offense sort of similar to what Kyle Shanahan did in 2012 with, with Robert Griffin III, and just incorporating a lot of quarterback running concepts to, to supple, supplement the rest of the offense. Um, is, is that accurate in your mind? Like, do you think do you think Trey Lance needs to be in that kind of offense his rookie year? Or does he maybe have a, a more um, detailed understanding of what it's going to take as, as far as being a dropback passer uh, to come in and play more of a traditional offense his, his rookie season? Or is it going to be something that the the running the running element from the quarterback is going to be an, an important part of it uh, in year one. I think Lance, generally speaking, is a bit more ready than people think to take on what will be asked of him in Kyle Shanahan's offense from a dropback passing standpoint. You know, the article that I wrote, I pulled a lot of quotes from Randy Hedberg, the quarterbacks coach at NDSU who talked about what they put on Lance's plate from a pre-snap perspective, from a mental perspective in terms of getting into and out of run calls, getting into and out of plays, uh, kill calls, maybe calls, all the kind of language and and terminology that Kyle Shanahan has, has incorporated into what he does schematically in terms of giving the quarterback two different play calls of the line of scrimmage and getting into one and out of the other if he needs to. That's stuff that Lance was doing. That's stuff that NDSU asked of Easton Stick, Carson once when they were older quarterbacks, but they let Lance do it as a redshirt freshman. And so I think he can handle a lot of what's going to be on his play from a dropback passing perspective. But his athleticism is going to be sort of a new weapon that, as you pointed out, Shanahan really hasn't had since RG3. I mean, you look at Matt Ryan, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, they're more your traditional drop-back quarterbacks. The ability of Lance as an athlete, as a ball carrier, is going to do a couple of different things for this offense. You know, one, it's going to expand the playbook in a sense, all those outside zone boot action type concepts that we know Kyle Shanahan loves conceptually. It's one thing when it's a Jimmy Garoppolo perhaps rolling out or a you know, a Matt Ryan perhaps rolling out. If you're that curl flat defender, whether you're a linebacker or a corner or even a safety rotated down, you're not too worried about that player tuckered and running. But when you see Trey Lance coming, you have to be worried about that. That fear in the back of your mind that he's gonna tuck and go. It might make you creep down a bit. It might make you press the line of scrimmage a bit, even though that's the sort of no-cover zone in those coverage schemes. That's going to open up throwing lanes for Lance downfield. And as a young quarterback, anytime you could expand throwing lanes and sort of stress the coverage of the defensive secondary, that's going to create some opportunities for you for some easier reads and throws. And the other thing to think about is, you know, with the way the game is played right now, with the way defenses at all levels, high school, college, NFL, want to force you to run the football as an offense, if you're an offense to play along with that, you want to be able to play 11-on-11 again with the quarterback as a run threat. Lance is a run threat as, as a quarterback, and so that will allow Kyle Shanahan now, anytime he does run the football, you're playing 11-on-11. If you're that backside defensive end on a zone read play, you have to worry about Trey Lance. You can't just crash down and inside on those looks expecting that the quarterback is going to give it because if you crash down inside, 
Lance is going to pull and keep it, and he's going to punish you to the tune of 10, 15, 20 yards on those plays. And so that's going to allow Kyle Shanahan's run game, which everybody loves the way he schemes up the run game. Now you've got a quarterback that sort of enables the run game component of his playbook to be that much more effective. And so I think while I think Trey Lance can handle the dropback elements of it, they're going to want to use him as an athlete in the run game because it's going to make that offense, generally speaking, that much more effective, particularly when defenses are going to say, look, we're going to play two high safeties. We're going to dare you to run the football. Now Shanahan can say, okay, we're going to do that with an athletic quarterback in Trey Lance, play 11-on-11 in the run game. Good luck stopping that with a light box and sub packages up front. One of the things that really jumped out to me when watching Trey Lance is just kind of how the ball comes off his hand. Like he throws the heck out of it. And that's something that the 49ers haven't been able to do much with Jimmy Garoppolo is is expand the passing game vertically. And I know that's not something that Shanahan even did a ton with Atlanta. But do you think we'll see him do that a little more now than they have with Garoppolo uh, because Lance does have, have more arm strength? Absolutely. I mean, you, you look back at what Trey Lance was asked to do in the downfield passing game, and from day one, that that debut against Butler, they were taking shot plays over the top because he does have that sort of elite upper-tier arm talent and velocity where, you know, you could look at Sports Info Solutions, for example, did a study on, they did it with Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, but the same would be true, if not even more so true, with Trey Lance and Mac Jones. You know, the two of them throw a dig route, the same route at the same time in the pocket, Lawrence's throw is going to get there a yard and a half before Mac Jones's does. And I would say it's probably the same, if not even quicker, with Trey Lance, given the velocity he generates on his throws. And so that opens up the vertical passing game. Those throws that might be more questionable for a Mac Jones, for a Jimmy Garoppolo, they're easier throws for Trey Lance. And so I think the vertical passing game is going to be something that San Francisco will certainly incorporate into the playbook and into the game scripts once Trey Lance hits the field. Because... The way I described it with Trey Lance, it's easy velocity. Even with Zach Wilson, a quarterback that a lot of people praised for his arm talent, his velocity, you would see a crow hop, a hitch step when he had to make some throws. Lance, it's just easy velocity. Like you said, the ball just pops out of his hands. It's something that you saw at both of his pro days. It's something that you saw on film, dating back to his first start in that game against Butler. So yeah, once he hits the field, I would imagine the vertical passing game is going to be a big part of their game scripts and their game plans. So looking, you know, in recent history, trying to trying to find some equivalencies in terms of just a quarterback being dropped into a good situation, it would seem to me the most comparable one is 2016 when, when Dak Prescott came in as a rookie with, with the Cowboys and just had an excellent season, completed nearly 68% of his passes, um, 23 touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, the highest passer rating of his career came in that season, and a large part had to do with just the team the offense he was on right the the Cowboys had an elite offensive line at that point they had Ezekiel Elliott um playing probably at the highest level of his career uh and so just do do you think that's an apt comparison like do you think Trey Lance coming into this specific offense with Kyle Shanahan with the talent around him that it is comparable to, to Dak Prescott and is there a chance that that this could look even better than that just because of Trey Lance's talent level paired with you know, Kyle Shanahan probably being a, a a better offensive mind than than what Prescott had in 2016 with uh, with their coaching staff down there. Absolutely, and if you think back to a lot of the discussion before the draft with respect to you know who's QB one, who's going to have the best career out of these top five quarterbacks, a lot of people said that 
QB one and the, the the quarterback that has the best career is going to be the player that lands with San Francisco at number three. You know, because you look at what Kyle Shanahan can do schematically, the way he's able to scheme things up for quarterbacks, with the weapons, like you said, that are in place, whether it's, you know, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel on the outside, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, you know, who are core components of what they do in the passing game. And, of course, the offensive line, the return of Trent Williams and, and the Alex Mack and the players that they have in front. And so I do think that whenever he sees the field, Trey Lance is in an absolutely perfect situation. You look at... The other landing spots, yes, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback and a great prospect, but there are still some questions about Jacksonville and what they're putting together. While I love what the Jets did in this draft and some of what they've done in free agency, you know, there are still questions about that offensive line and some of the weapons that they have. The tight end position is a question mark. You know, look at Mac Jones, you look at Justin Fields, and there are some questions about what those teams, New England and Chicago, have around the quarterback position in place there. Lance is stepping into an almost ideal situation. It's a it's a great scheme fit. It's an offensive-minded head coach, and we have seen some quarterbacks go to defensive-minded head coaches as rookies and sort of struggle, the Jared Goff example being one of those. And you see the weapons and the protection that they can put around him. You know, Jordan Reed, who played the quarterback position in college at a high level, who's coached the position, who now studies the position at the Draft Network, he talks a lot about the three Ps, right? Playmakers, protection, and playbook. You need to have those in place around a young quarterback for that person to be successful. You look at playmakers, 49ers certainly have playmakers. You look at protection, look, this is a great offensive line that has gotten a little bit better, I'd say, this offseason. And then you look at playbook. You look at what they can do schematically and conceptually around the quarterback. Kyle Shanahan is perhaps the best there is. There are a reason that people study his offenses, study his playbooks, study his tendencies. It's because he's a great offensive mind. And so in terms of the three Ps, the 49ers have all three of those boxes checked emphatically around Trey Lance. And so I think whenever he sees the field, whether it's as a rookie or in year two, he's in a situation to certainly have a great start to his career. Okay, so I have a two-part question here, but because I am a radio professional, I'm only going to ask one first. So, is Jimmy Garoppolo good? Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) is a... I like to put quarterbacks into sort of tiers, into buckets. And I look at Garoppolo, and he is sort of the quintessential quarterback you can win with, right? You know, when you think about those three Ps I was just talking about, you really need to have those in place around him for the team to win games. And even if you get to a game, like, say, the Super Bowl... It still might not be enough. You know, mm-hmm. Garoppolo is sort of that quarterback purgatory type of player where he's the guy you can win games with, but he might not be enough if you need that quarterback to sort of take a step forward in a game, in a season, even just in a drive or in a, a, just one throw. And so Garoppolo is the guy that's in that sort of bucket. And anticipating your next question here, Lance right now as a rookie can be a guy you win with, but I think he has the ceiling of a guy that you win because of, that transcends your offense. The guy that can eventually be the quarterback that if you need him to take a step forward on a drive, on a game, on a throw, he can do it. And I think that's why you trade up to three for a player like that. And the run-up to this draft, everybody, every show I would go on, they'd ask, is it really going to be Mac Jones at three? And I would walk people through, like, these are the reasons why I think Mac Jones could be in play at three. But what I come back to is, is he a guy that can sort of transcend your offense and be the guy that you win games because of? I don't really see that with Mac Jones as much as it pains me as a, as a Patriots guy. But I see that more in Justin Fields, and I see it a lot more in Trey Lance. Well, we saw now 
We've got the evidence. They went up and they got the guy that could potentially be the player you win games because of the guy that can transcend your offense and Trey Lance. Now we're just going to see it come together on the field. Okay, so that leads me to my second question. If he does, like, let's say he does start week one, can he be the first rookie quarterback to go to slash win a Super Bowl? It's entirely possible. And I I know that seems outlandish because a lot of people have said throughout this entire process with Trey Lance is. Yes, you draft him, but he has to sit early. Like, he has to sit and develop. Right. I, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, because of the scheme fit, because of the talent, because of the three Ps as I've outlined them, I think Lance is a perfect fit for this offense. And so provided that the organization, the coaching staff on down, feels he's ready, I don't have a problem with him playing early. And then you look at the structure around him, you look at the playbook, you look at everything that's in place for Trey Lance. Do I think that he could win a Super Bowl? I could be part of a Super Bowl winning team as a rookie? Absolutely. I absolutely do believe wow. that. I do think he's that talented. I think he's much more advanced than people are giving him credit for from a mental perspective, from a playbook perspective, from a scheme fit perspective. But here's the thing. The 49ers drafted him to be the quarterback for the next decade, right? Mm-hmm. Like, So you want to handle the development the right way. You don't want to rush him. You don't want to ruin him. You don't want to break him. Whenever I think about developing quarterbacks and handling young quarterbacks, I think of a piece that, that Matt Waldman wrote a couple of years ago called Ruining Quarterbacks, and he talked about how you don't want to break them. And he brought up a great example of Marty Schottenheimer when he was coaching Drew Brees in San Diego, and sometimes Marty would sit him down in the middle of a game, he'd say, look, we're down two scores. If this was a one-score game, your butt would be on the field. But I don't want to ruin you, and you're hurting yourself right now, and so we're going to have to sit you down. And so there might be bumps along the way. There might be days where, say, Trey Lance does start week one, and he has a great game week one because you've had time to prepare, and the game plan is great. But then week two, the next defense has figured some things out, and he throws three picks, and you might have to sit him down. That that day might happen. But you want to handle him the right way, and I do think that Trey Lance can certainly play early, earlier than people expect, and be much more effective and productive earlier than people expect, even with his limited background at FCS level and DSU. Yeah, so sort of piggybacking off that idea, well, one of the things, one of the reasons why I think the 49ers would probably be smart to um, to, to start Trey Lance sooner rather than later and perhaps as early as week one is because, you know, if he does start week one and week two, it would be the first time in over 600 days that he had started consecutive games, right? So I'm, I'm curious, like, how much do you think just the fact he hasn't played a whole lot and it's been so long since he's sort of had that rhythm of being in a season as a starting quarterback, um, how much does should that factor into Kyle Shanahan's decision? And should it be something where, like, well... If Lance is close to Garoppolo, we should just we should just turn the, the the team over to Lance now so we can so we can give him those game reps that he missed last season, even if it potentially means some bumps on the road and maybe some losses that Jimmy Garoppolo would would um, you know would, would avoid if, if he happened to be the starter. How, how do you view that sort of dynamic that uh, the decision that Kyle Shanahan's going to have to make here in, in early September? I used to be a believer in the sit him and let him learn philosophy. I used to be a believer in the idea that you could sort of carry the clubs, you know, chart the games on the sideline, take some mental reps and bring them along slowly. That sort of three-year window is, is out the window now. 
you have to get these guys on the field because we know the value there is with a quarterback that is cost-controlled on his rookie deal, and you, you almost don't want to waste it with them on the sidelines. So that's one component to it. The other component to it is this. One of the biggest question marks beyond this sort of level of competition, you know, inexperience angle to Trey Lance is the accuracy, right? You could see, you know, people that have charted him, whether it's Benjamin Solak, Derek Clawson, among others, they point to his accuracy numbers, particularly in the short and intermediate areas of the field, are a bit behind the other, say, top five quarterbacks in this class. And I do think that there's a two-pronged approach here. One is there is a sort of mechanical arm slot inconsistency with Lance, but he's working on that with one of the best, Quincy Avery. So you see his two pro days, you look at his, two, his throw in motion at those two pro days, you compare it to where he was on film, the arm slot is much more consistent now, the work is being done, and so that part of it I, be, I believe is being taken care of. The other part of it is feel. Some of these routes where he's missing with throws, whether it's ball placement, accuracy, however you want to characterize it, it's because he's trying to get that feel for how to layer in throws, how to throw against leverage and, and different coverages. And sitting on a sideline holding a clipboard isn't going to work that out. you got to get game reps. And so I do think that they're going to want to get him on the field to work some of these things out. If we do get our usual you know, three preseason, four preseason games, I think to your point, Chris, you want to get him as the starter in those games. Yo, you're going to be starting. Here's your week buildup. Get ready. You know, put yourself through the process of being a starting quarterback in the NFL on a week-in, week-out basis. And then you're going to be starting week two to get yourself ready because, you know, that's a part of it. You know, playing offensive tackle, playing strong safety, it's kind of a snap-to-whistle position, right? Quarterback's different. Quarterback's a Monday-in-the-meeting-room-to-whistle type of position. You have to get yourself ready throughout the course of a week to be the guy on Sunday afternoon, on Sunday night. And so I, I think you want to get him out there. You want to run him out there. And like we've said, there will be bumps along the way. There will be mistakes along the way. But you got to get him those game reps because for the things he needs to work on, sitting on a sideline holding a clipboard, that's not going to replicate what he needs to work on. Game reps are going to replicate what he needs to work on, and there's no replacement for those. Okay, so... I do want to end on this, and that is all really, really great stuff on on Trey Lance. But I do have a Mac Jones question for you, being that you said you're a Patriots guy. Um, are you excited about Mac Jones? And uh, I assume you believe that Mac Jones at 15 is a much more reasonable um, investment into Mac Jones than what three first-round picks potentially would have been with the 49ers taking him at three. Yeah, I was on a uh, Patriots Alive show on Thursday night, and when it seemed like there was potential for Justin Fields to perhaps make his way to Foxborough, then we were sort of coming around to the realization that it was Mac Jones. That was sort of like fitting in this 12 stages of grief in a very <laughs> condensed window. I mean, I will say I am now at the acceptance stage because when Mac Jones started his rise up boards... You know, even after winning a national title, most people, and I put myself in this category, looked at him as he's a nice, solid quarterback that's probably a day two guy. Okay, that there's nothing wrong with that. And he could certainly be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But then the Senior Bowl, and particularly the Wednesday at the Senior Bowl, is when that switch really flipped. And people thought, look, you know, he's the best quarterback down in Mobile now. He's now played himself into the first round. I thought, oh, New England is sitting at 15. This is what's going to happen. Now, of course, when the 49ers traded up to three, people started to draw connections. There was a lot of buzz around Mac Jones at three. I still thought, that's a lot. I think he's more, 
you know, even he's still probably a, a round two grade in a vacuum, but quarterback value the, the way that it is, New England at 15 makes a lot of sense. And so that's where it ended up. But I do think, like you said, New England sitting at 15, not giving up future pick picks for him, and drafted him at 15 without trading up and, and anything like that is probably the right spot for Mac Jones. And so he probably ended up where he was going to end up all along. Uh, I think Fields to Chicago makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think the Jacksonville pick, the Jets pick, those all make sense. But I still, and like Seth Galina from Pro Football Focus tweeted out just, I think it was yesterday or today, the best landed spot out of all five guys was Trey Lance to San Francisco. And I think because of what he can do and the things he can offer to this offense, the way he can transcend it, I do think he's worth giving up future assets for. Whereas Mac Jones at 15 without a trade or anything like that, that's probably the right spot for him. Mark, you've been super generous with your time. Uh, there was a ton of great stuff there, and we really appreciate it. Make sure to read Mark at the uh, t- at touchdownwire.com and then follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield, S-C-H-O Field. Mark, thanks so much, man. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me. Had a blast. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.